0: Welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans along with Mike Miller. We are G220 Radio, and again, we want to welcome you to the program tonight. We've had a bit of a schedule change and then a little change again, and so uh, we're both here with you tonight, and we're going to be talking about a topic of on the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit from the 1689 and many of you may be thinking, uh, we've done a series on the 1689. And what do you mean, of the Holy Spirit? There's no of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit in the 1689 in one of the 32 chapters. And, but this is a class, Mike, you're teaching at your Sunday school. Um, yep. And you're like, hey, let's, you're going to do this one because you thought you were flying solo. And uh, so go ahead and get us set up for this one here tonight, brother.
1: So, yeah, as you said, uh, my Sunday school class, we just finished a lesson on all 32 chapters or series in all 32 chapters and the appendix of the London confession. And back in May of last year, uh, I offered to teach on the Holy spirit because as you mentioned, there is no chapter in the London confession about the Holy spirit. And I mean, have you thought much about this? You know, the fact there isn't a chapter. Um, I think most people are surprised when we mention it, like, oh, there isn't a chapter. Like, you just assume there is. Mm-hmm. So has that been kind of your experience? Have you th- thought about it? I mean, you've been
0: well, no, Under- and, and we'll get in we'll get into some of this here tonight, but it is mentioned or the spirit of God is mentioned. It's brought up in of the of God when it speaks about God and mm-hmm. the Trinity, it's mentioned, and then throughout there is reference to even in the very first uh, chapter when you're speaking about the Scriptures, it talks about the Spirit being the one that illuminates these things to us, mm-hmm. and so so the the fact that it's in there um, as someone who is ascribed to the 1689 for a very long time. But I never really thought about it in the sense of when you sent to me of the, ho- of the Holy Spirit like that with a title, like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's not a specifically just one on its own. And especially yeah. when you think about it. Now, again, it's, it's throughout the 1689, you're going to see references to the Spirit. But when you think about all of the abuses today... With the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, you would think that this would be something that probably would be covered. Now, I know when we did do our shows on the 1689 and we covered some of the history, they were dealing with things at the time, political things, yeah. so to speak, uh, that they were addressing because of some of the pressure that they were receiving. Um, and to show that they were in line with the other reformed confessions. Um, but yeah, I didn't really I really didn't think of it in that way until you brought it up. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to note, too,
1: that the Westminster, which is largely the based foundational document that the Baptists in London used to develop the Second London, also does not have a chapter on the Holy Spirit. And why I want to bring this up and kind of to think about it is because this has been noticed. And there is a progressive liberal named Charles Briggs. He... Primarily lived in the 19th century. I think he died in like 1914, if I remember right. And he brought up that the Westminster Confession is defective because there is no chapter on the Spirit. I don't think, like you mentioned, we can resonate with that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you think of the Nicene Creed, it has a part on the Holy Spirit. Most systematic theology books contain a chapter on the Spirit. I subscribe to the 1689, but my church is also Southern Baptist. So as a member, I also subscribe to the BFM, Mm -hmm. um, the Baptist faith and message 2000. There is a section section, section three of article two that talks about the Holy spirit in article two, which is about God and the nature of God. And so This is nothing new. I'm not bringing up this new point that no one's thought of, Mm -hmm. but to consider it. Now, J.V. Vesco is Presbyterian. He is confessional with the Westminster. He teaches at Reformed Theological Seminary. He was at um, Westminster, California for many years. And in in his book, On the Spirit of Age, where I'm kind of pulling some of this debate, he brings in B.B. Warfield. Prominent Princeton theologian from the 19th century when uh, Princeton was the height of Christian orthodoxy and defender of the faith. And I find this funny. Uh, this is J.V. Vesco's uh, commentary on what uh, Warfield believes. He says this However, Warfield believed that the confession, that is the Westminster Confession, Instead of offering, offered nine chapters on the work of the spirit, uh, Warfield's observation constitutes an important warning to the church as it reads historical theological works. Namely, the church must look beyond the tables of contents and cursory overviews of a text before it deems a document doctrinally deficient, in the case of mm-hmm. the. Or confession, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit appears in multiple places, especially in the eighth chapter of Christology. Mm-hmm. And so, when we think about this, and this isn't this is the way we need to think about it. As you mentioned, like the Holy Spirit shows up early in chapter one. Chapter one, paragraph five is the first mention of the Spirit, and then all but nine chapters, if I remember my counting right, does not include a direct reference to the spirit. Yeah. And in those chapters, like chapter five, and we'll get into a little bit, this in a little bit, doesn't directly mention the Holy spirit, but mentions God. And it's in reference to the whole triune. So in one sense, the spirit is mentioned Mm -hmm. proxy of using the word of God. Yeah. So uh, James Renahan talks about in classes and podcasts, about reading the confessional sideways and and looking at the connections in between So when we think about the Holy Spirit in this way, we need to realize that a deeper understanding of the confession leads us to a better understanding of the spirit mm-hmm. and how it's placed together and this isn't something new um even yeah. in that um, kind of if we look historically back, calvin has a book dedicated to god as creator and it's focused on father then you have god as savior in book two which is focused on the um christ and his work and yet throughout the entire four books 1200 pages there is not a chapter on the holy spirit like the confession Calvin is called a theologian of the Holy Spirit because he weaves it through his work. You just can't go to one place. You have to kind of systematize it. But even further back than that, you think of the book of Romans. Romans 8 is this pinnacle in which he brings, Paul talks about the spirit. Paul Paul only directly mentions the Holy Spirit four times. Prior to the spirit's work in our life in chapter eight. And we think mm-hmm. of all the deep theological discussion Paul has between chapters one and seven. And only four times is the spirit met, is mentioned. And then you get this idea of the spirit's work in our lives, the groaning, mm-hmm. how it helps us to pray. And, and kind of that aspect of the Spirit's works in our life. And we're not even talking about how even John sprinkles the Spirit through his letters or Peter, just these kind of one-off coincidences that we need to piece together to have a full view of the Spirit, which is the same way that God has written the entire Bible just to know him. Yeah. And so the confession very much is, in one sense, mimicking kind of even how the Bible describes the Spirit. Because there is no like one place we can go to in the Bible with a f- kind of full conserv- like a full view or a decent view of what the spirit and its work does. yeah,
0: it's it's interesting, right? because um <clears throat> I was having this conversation with my wife the other day about the the King James Bible um because we went mm-hmm. downtown or we went to Amish country the other day and I found James White's um, King James controversy book. For 50 cents. It was half price on Monday. So, you know, I was like a great collection to add to my library. Um, but I posted it and I started getting, you know, the King James only kind of uh comments mm-hmm. coming through. And I said, you know, they'll use passages, and one that comes up often is first John 5 7, where it speaks about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And and mm-hmm. they'll use this and say, Well, it's not in these other translations, and therefore it's taken out. But as you said, when you look at doctrine as a whole, systematically, it's not from one verse that we pull doctrine. It's spread out throughout Scripture, and you're seeing more and more revealed, and you're able to come and look at it from the bigger picture and say, this is what the Scriptures are revealing to us about Christ, revealing to us about the Father, revealing to us about the Spirit, Right. This is what hes it's revealing, revealing to us in this bigger picture of the scriptures as we look at it. And the same is what we're saying here with the, the confession, that while there isn't a of the spirit chapter four or chapter something added in there. Yeah. Throughout the confession, it is there. And it even as we've stated, you stated um, in the very beginning, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, how is one even able to discern the scriptures properly? if it Mm -hmm. isn't the spirit doing a work in them. And I do have, I do have it available. I can pull up the, I have the founders. So it's the the modern version uh, of it. Um, I have it available for us to pull up on the screen. If you want to go to something. Um, And uh, so just let me know and we'll go there. Yeah. So.
1: yo. So thinking about that. So there's no chapter. I want to kind of focus before we get into what the confession has to say. Kind of. The places that is does not mention and think about those because i think that's important why doesn't the westminster and the second london not mention the spirits in certain chapters and those chapters are just to give quick um chapter five of divine providence chapter six of the fall of man of sin and the punishment thereof chapter nine of free will chapter 23 lawful oaths and vows. Chapter 24 of the civil magistrate, chapter 25 of marriage, chapter 28 of baptism and the Lord's Supper, chapter 30 of the Lord's Supper, and then the final chapter, chapter 32 of the last judgment. And I'm a little surprised with some of them. Like when I'm thinking through this, I'm like, okay, I got a list from a blog post that said there's, doesn't mention five or seven. And when I read through it, I'm like, oh no, am I missing something? there's more missing out of the, the, what he gave. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about that, given those names, did any, one of those chapters kind of surprise you that the the writers of the Baptist confession, the editors of it do not directly mention the spirit.
0: So we got five chapter five is of divine providence. You said six is the fall of mankind and sin and its punishment. Nine being free will. Um, and then going down here. Uh, 23. Yeah. Lawful. Oh, I can see lawful oaths and vows maybe because yep. you're not I, what you're talking about. I can see civil government to some degree because yep. you're not going to be able to apply the law on man in the same sense of a one of this, a believer. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, 25 of marriage. Of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I guess you could say I, I think you would see yeah. the spirit in, in a person's marriage if they're both believers, spirit working yeah. in, in them. Um, let's see, uh 28, baptism in the Lord's Supper. I think the spirit is present. So I would yeah. think there too, possibly it would be mentioned. Uh the last judgment. And chapter 30 of the, oh, Lord's 30 Supper. Of the oh, that was the Lord's Supper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, similar so, to 28, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, but those other, so, the other ones, I, I would think you would find something there. Yeah, I, I thought
1: about it. Like with you, like I was probably more surprised on chapter 30 of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. 28 kind of makes sense because it's uh, just briefly describing that there's two sacraments and setting up for chapters 29 and 30. So of the baptism and of Lord's Supper. And then there is a direct mention there in the in the baptism about how we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But when I think about these other things, and like my wife and I talked about, you think of marriage, like the spirit should be in there and the spirit uses marriage mm-hmm. to sanctify person. But when you think about what is happening in marriage, we usually think about making a covenant before God. And there is no, what I want to say is direct work of the spirit. The spirit is there. We're making a pledge on a man and a wife before God as triune, but there's no specific work that is attributed to it. And when you think about the rest of the chapters in the, in that line of thought of divine providence, yes, the spirit is God and there's divine providence. And I mentioned it, it's mentioned in God, not meaning just the father, but as triune. So the mm-hmm. spirit doesn't have a specific work in which we can say there's the Holy Spirit working in God's providence as a general understanding, knowing that the spirit does work in God's providence in salvation. When he calls someone in a certain time, as the confession would say, um, the spirit's not responsible for man's false sin and punishment. So, you know, there's that absence there again, a free will. We're talking about man's ability to choose the spirit has effects and to play with it. And we'll talk with that. But when we think about our own free will, the spirit enables us to do things, but we still make that choice. That's kind of what that chapter is about. You mentioned lawful oaths and valves again, these, all of these in some sense do not have a direct relationship with the a specific work attributed to the spirit and even in the lord's supper because i had to think about this a little bit more i'm more surprised on it is that while we say and in the importance of worship that we worship in the spirit and the spirit brings us into worship what are we doing in the lord's supper well we're celebrating christ and his death burial and resurrection and his sacrificial work for us while looking ahead for when he will finally save us and glorify us. Does the spirit work in those two ideas? Yes. But again, not in a direct way. Mm -hmm. It's a focus on Christ. And so the absent of the spirit in these chapters would mimic what scripture says. Scripture doesn't attribute the Spirit's work in those ways. And though we know the Spirit works through these different things, when the subject is talked about, the Spirit is absent when we think about this within the biblical language and how the Bible talks about the role of the Spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. No, it makes sense as you're laying that out there and you're thinking through this because... Um, I would have said some of the same things in marriage, you know, the way that, uh, it's that the spirit is working in us and, and the Mm -hmm. Lord's supper being that you are partaking and you're pointing to the death of Christ, which is a work of the spirit to convict the world of sin and point them to Christ in some sense, we could speak of those things, but yeah, as you're pointing those out and you know, and you think it through, um, yeah, I can see why it's not they're not making the mention of the spirit in these chapters. Um, but uh, yeah. So,
1: so yeah, now we get into the good stuff because this show is about the Holy Spirit in the second London. And to think about this, um, we kind of have it. Um, we'll see it here. Uh, some of the, the chapters and just to, to think about it. Some of these, you know, we'll kind of move a little bit quicker and to think about, you know, where the spirit is. Um, I was a little surprised when I was preparing for this, how like just all the, the specific mentions, obviously mm-hmm. I'm reading it, focusing on, okay, how is the spirit developed? And so just, there is, there's a lot, like the spirit is mentioned quite a bit, just in passing. And, you know, that's, um, makes it where we have to work harder, just like scripture. Mm-hmm. So chapter one of the Holy Scriptures, um, the spirit is mentioned in paragraph five. And we see here as and as it's qu- quick down there at the bottom that the assurance of infallible truth of the scriptures come from the internal work of the spirit bearing witness to us in our hearts. So the spirit is the one pers- um, bearing witness and persuading us. Of the scriptures. Of the truthfulness of the scriptures. And obviously when we we think about this. That makes sense why atheists. Agnostics don't want to acknowledge. The the truthfulness of scriptures. Because in one sense. Only the internal work of the spirit. Can persuade us. To the truth. Mm -hmm. Because it talks about who God is so we see the spirit working with it and then in paragraph six this continues so not only does the spirit pursue us or persuade us of the truthfulness of the scripture it is the spirit who gives us the revelation of it first in negation that the spirit doesn't give counter revelation or extra revelation here this points to kind of what we would call the modern or the charismatic movement mm-hmm. there's frantic there's frantics in their time frame even in the reformation about the spirit giving new revelation um, islam has this idea mormonism has this idea and so we see in chapter 6 and a affirmation that the scriptures come from the spirit And the spirit doesn't add or give additional. And then it shows up a little bit later. Afterwards, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the spirit of God is necessary for a saving understanding of what revelation of the word. And so we need the spirit to even understand to a saving knowledge of it. This plays a part later. This is referenced multiple times about the ministry of the word and the spirit. The spirit is needed for understanding, and the word, um, and it is used by the word, and so you have kind of the indwelling, and then the kind of the external aspect of it, and then kind of finally in chapter one, and paragraph ten, um, it talks about the the chapter itself is about what is the the judge of all things of counsels, opinions, interpretations. And what is it? It's the whole, it's the Holy scriptures delivered by the spirit. So, and even to think about it. So here the, the, what the confession is saying, even us, what we say is ultimately determined by the scripture that is delivered by the spirit. Mm-hmm. So we see a, a integral role, and this isn't like anything new. You think about Peter and his writing that the scriptures written by men as they are carried along by uh, the Spirit. You know, Second Peter one two. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The Spirit is there. the The people writing the the council that in London is is thinking about these things. And here we go. So, okay. As a foundation, the spirit is the one who gives us the scripture and is the one who pursues us of our, of the truth and is ultimately going to reveal to us and teach us according to what he's already revealed to us in
0: scripture. Yeah. Yeah, I think these are key here when you when you consider the way the 1689 is laid out. And again, we talked about this when we did our series on this. You can go back to G220 Radio. If you're going on YouTube, you can go to 1689 Confession of Faith, and we go through every single chapter of this confession. And the way that it is laid out, it just constantly builds upon itself. The next chapter builds upon what has already been laid down. And you cannot start You cannot start um, having an understanding of God's Word without having a right, correct view of the Scriptures of God. But Mm -hmm. you can't understand, as it's laid out here, the Scriptures of God unless it is the Spirit that is testifying to you what the Scriptures are teaching, what they are saying. It is illuminating those truths to you. Like and I even like that the 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 confession uses those words uh, uh, illuminates because uh-huh. years ago um, when I was talking to one of the pastors who was with us on the 1689 confession, Fred Pugh, and he mentioned <laughs> <laughs> got a cramp in my leg. <laughs> it's about to throw me off, off the chair, man. Okay, so. <laughs> That's a uh, uh, all right. So he had mentioned about the the idea when people will say uh, they received a new revelation from God, new revelation, but that's not the way that we 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 view that in Scripture. No one's getting a new revelation, but mm-hmm. c- the Spirit illuminates the truth from the Scriptures to us. It opens yeah. our eyes, and that's why you can read Scripture. For thirty years, and you can read um, a book from the from the Bible every year. You go through it, and and every year the Lord, through the Spirit of God, illuminates new things to you from it. Mm-hmm. You know that was there, but now the Spirit is showing it to you and illuminating that.
1: Yeah, and I think it also shows like, like an atheist can know the Word. But until the spirit works on him, it's meaningless and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't have an effect. And, you know, so there is to, to even think about like true knowledge of scripture. And that's why they can say this contradicts this or that because they're not they're not piecing it. They're not having that clarity or the illumination, um, brought to them um, to their spirit by the Spirit of God.
0: I think I need to drink more water, man. It just—I got a <laughs> cramp in my calf, and I'm like, oh man, this is the bad timing. All right, so yeah, keep going going mustard
1: Where packets. Yeah,
0: something. Where do you want to so, go? So chapter
1: two. We'll keep moving on. We have of God in the Holy Trinity. Um, The first two chapters are important that we see who God is and we see him as kind of his nature. And so that's one and two. But in chapter or in paragraph three is where we get the definition or the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And so you see it as being So the divine and infinite being that will one consists of three real persons, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, the father, the word, or son and the Holy Spirit. And so the confession is now defining that there are one, there is one God who's in three persons and that this next thing is that these three then have the same substance, Power, eternity, basically everything they've talked about in the first two paragraphs can be assigned to these three persons. You get the idea of procession, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, similar to the Nicene Creed. It talks about as, you know, again, the infinite being of the spirit. And kind of to think about it, that the the truth of the Trinity as foundation for all of our fellowship with God and comforting dependence on this. And this will come up later in the confession that it is the spirit that brings us into this deeper fellowship and comforting dependence. So while we have that with the Trinity as a whole, it is the spirit who brings us into that relationship. And we'll see that Um, I think it was chapter 17, but we'll get there hopefully. Um, so chapter three continues about kind of how God is and kind of thinking through some of these, what we'll see here, and I'll probably skip ahead, is that the reference of how the spirit works is mentioned in the same places or in in different places, but says the same thing. Mm -hmm. So like in paragraph six of chapter three, we see that the spirit works in times to call sinners. And at the same time, it's called Christ's spirit. So this is using language from Romans saying his of his spirit, but that they're, People are redeemed, but they're redeemed in time by the spirit. And so we see how this works out. And um, playing through here in a little bit more, uh, to kind of quickly chapter four, it's just the spirit is mentioned along with father son as creating the world. Mm-hmm. And that this creation declares the glory of the triune God. So again, here we can, when we think about this, um, we see this in Genesis 1. God created the heavens and the earth. The spirit is, the the world is with flowed and the spirit is floating over the face of the earth. And then God speaks the word. And John makes us, that connection to us when in the beginning was the word and word was with God and word was God. And through him, all things were made Through the word, all things were made. And so we see not only specific work of the spirit in scripture, but now we see that the spirit works with the other members of the Trinity. Um, the we've did a show on this. It's called inseparable operations, or I did a show on this and talked about this that the, the the that the trinity works as one together but their works can be separated out um within scriptures and we even see that um um later on let me get my notes my other notes
0: um Trying to get it to open. I'm having some issues here too. So, <laughs> um,
1: I thought I wrote it down maybe, but we see the spirit working, um, with the others, um, together. And so again, kind of in this first chapters, we're thinking about God. We're thinking about who He is, His creation, divine, um. Divine providence, as we mentioned, doesn't have a direct mention, though is inferred. And then really kind of the meat of what we learn about the the spirit. And you see it in the gap that we talked about earlier. You have this gap between, so you have like chapter seven, eight, and then you have free will in chapter nine. And then from 10 all the way to 22, every chapter mentions the spirit. And it it really gets like chapter eight sets it all. Chapter eight on the mediator on. I think it's on Christ in the mediation.
0: Good that one where we too. start.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Where we start to see the spirit. And really how he works we talked about like the spirit in creation. We'll hear the spirit is working and creating things again, by creating a body that will be um, given to the second person so that he dwells in bodily. Um, and that's in paragraph two. It emphasizes how the spirit came down upon with the power of the most high to overshadow her so you seeing the spirit work um again you have the reference to scripture so that's to remind us that the spirit is delivering the scripture to us so what the spirit ha- what the spirit has revealed to us in the Old Testament and Abraham and David is now being fulfilled in the son um paragraph three talks about the spirit's work in Jesus by setting him apart by making him, anointing him for it. So the spirit is, and in some way, why this is important, because this is how the spirit works in us. The The call of the pastor and of the church mimics this, that they are, they are anointed by the spirit. They're set apart for what God has done for them. Um, chapter five, we get this idea of this, the son offers himself up to satisfy justice, but explicitly says, by the spirit. So he offered it up to God through the eternal spirit. So here we see Jesus and the spirit working together, offering himself up, offering Jesus up to be the satisfying sacrifice we need for <clears throat> salvation to here purchase in an everlasting inheritance of the people given to the father so when we start to think about what's going what's happening the covenant with god to redeem a people the redeemer of god's people being jesus christ and then in chapters 10 to 22 just laying out salvation on how it is the spirit who calls us in chapter 10 an effectual calling and he renews us he's the means by which the elect infants are saved in chap- paragraph three paragraph four um
0: are you in okay you're in 10 sorry more. chapter 10 yep
1: okay sorry I'm trying to keep up with i'm you. looking That's at the good. timing like trying to keep
0: keep yeah. moving gotcha gotcha
1: um in effect your call and then in verse four you see that those who have seemed to be called reflect some of the common operations of the spirit so even the spirit um you know you can see okay there are some things that can be mimicked by us that seems to be common within the spirit and they're not even they're not even safe so we see um there's not a deficiency in the spirit but that the spirit works in ordinary ways and can as us as believers can in some, one sense never be fully sure of ones obviously the works testify and we can say but as we we see here they may receive the ordinary workings of the spirit in their lives and some way appearing to sanctify them. And yet they're not even saved. So I've talked for a while. (laughs) You have any comments?
0: No, no, no. I'm just going to let you go. I'm just trying to keep up with you here and uh, highlight these and make it look all professional on the screen. For those watching, for those listening yeah. to the audio, you'll have to go catch us over here on YouTube or on Facebook, the G220 radio page or G220 radio channel, and you can actually see the uh, confession laid out there for you.
1: Yeah. Um, you don't have to go to this one. Chapter 11, um, again, talks about the being justified when the spirit applies Christ's works on their heart as decreed by the father. We saw that earlier in um, chapter 3 with God's decree, here it's repeated in chapter 11 um, showing that while Christ died for us and for our sins, the elect are not like saved from birth in one sense. They're, They're saved when the Spirit applies the work of Christ on their hearts. Now, He will apply the work of the, the work of christ on their hearts but up until that point just for the sake of argument, theoretically if they were to die before that time they would not be saved um that's not what we believe no one if God has ordained someone to believe they will uh, be effectually called um by the word and the spirit and the spirit will adjust will apply justification to their hearts when they believe. Um, And kind of we think about now why this is important, because as you kind of see on the screen and just to, you have chapter 11 on justification, 12 is on adoption, 13 is on sanctification, 14 is on saving faith, 15 is on repentance in life, 16 is on good works, 17 on preservation states, 18 is on the gospel and its grace, 19 on the law. 20 on the gospel, all of these chapters reflect how the spirit works in our lives through salvation, Mm -hmm. whether it's producing faith in us by the word he has given or by helping us to reveal our sins to us and then giving us the, the word and God's, Law to help us live within God's will for our lives and Christian in Christian liberty and liberty of conscience It is the spirit who ultimately has rule over our conscience, not uh, the rules made by man. Chapter 22, the spirit has given us how to worship all of these things we see in scripture of the work of the spirit and how we are to how the spirit applies not only the justifying work and and given us the ability to repent and trust in the savior but he continues to work in us and sanctification and pre- and preserving us and showing us our sin it is the power of the Holy spirit, that the public proclamation of the gospel there in in chapter 20 is made effective so that when preachers preach, they know the spirit will be the one who saves the people Mm -hmm. in their preaching and their duty is to preach the gospel to, Mm -hmm. to get it out there and let the spirit work on their hearts. And then, chapter 22 leads us into what is worship. And we see kind of building off of that, how, what that means for lawful oaths and vows, how the government kind of doesn't have partake of this worship. We have kind of marriage and dealing with it, but then it comes back and um, chapter 26, and we'll spend some time here. If you want to go to that one about how, The the spirit directs the church. Here, chapter one, um, we see this idea of the universal church, the Catholic church. And what is it? It's those whom the spirit has saved. They've had an internal work of the spirit and truth of grace. So the spirit has worked on them. They have believed the gospel. They've received the truth of grace. And all who have done that are part of the Catholic or universal church. But um, we also see that there is a local church and that the local church is what Jesus has called to himself to come. And he's done it by the word of the spirit. It's chapter, or paragraph five. Remember, right?
0: You know, as, as you're yeah. talking through this, um, what comes to mind is, because it, it has been a while, we started this 1689 years ago and finally finished uh-huh. it, um, and uh, it, it's making me want to go back and listen to see what we spoke about on some of these chapters, just to make sure we did it justice when speaking about these. I'm pretty sure we, we did bring these up as we went through it verse by or line by line, not verse by verse, but line by line, um, you know, going through the 1689. But I'm curious as to, to see and be reminded of maybe what we had said about these, these uh, portions of the scripture dealing with the Holy spirit or not scripture, but you know what I mean? The confession.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can see a lot of times it's just, you know, here the Mm -hmm. ministry of his word by his spirit calls out for himself, Of the world, those given to him by his father, like you know, like the Bible. The spirit is just is put in there so we remember and we think, but oftentimes you know, we don't always catch it. And I think we see here, you know, I think even Yeah,
0: even as you say that, when you think of the charismatic movement, the Pentecostals who uh put such a high emphasis on the scripture or of of the the ministry on the spirit but as you see here it's just it's it's laid out throughout the scripture it's laid out throughout mm-hmm. the confession it's just you can't have or understand it apart from the spirit but it doesn't put this big emphasis on the spirit himself you know yeah it, it, it's without the spirit being present you can't understand it you can't it's it's so vital but it's not the way that sometimes those who abuse the work of the spirit within the church uh, local churches uh, you, was as the way we see it at times through the charismatics and, and uh, Pentecostals.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it makes us to think, you know, rethink through this, like mm-hmm. are the charismatics are, do they, is that what scripture says? Is that, you know, the, the Supreme judge, is that what it is and, and how do we interpret it? And that the spirit seems to work in certain ways and the confession captures these kind of ordinary ways by the word that the spirit works in our lives. And we know he does great things. You think about revivals in which have great moves of the spirit and people are being saved and, the, and their lives are being changed by the gospel. And there's this renewed Unexplainable movement of the Lord towards salvation. And we see it here. It's the ministry of his word by his spirit. And that it's done in local societies or churches for their mutual edification and fitting context. That is how God works. It is the ordinary means of preaching the gospel week in, week out, hearing the gospel, sitting, and being edified by the minister. Again, kind of in chapter nine, this is indicated that Christ has pointed a way to call people prepared and gifted by the spirit. So the spirit just as Christ in one sense set apart, or once just as the spirit is said to set apart Christ for his earthly ministry and his human body, so the spirit hasn't left the church without gifting it people for the office and overseer who are the under shepherds who are given authority by jesus to lead people in this way and their ministry is effective that way and then yeah in verse 11 um we see here that the spirit just not only just doesn't only work through the elders but also he calls other people that are prepared and gifted by the spirit that they can also edify the church though. They don't have the authority of an elder. So, and to, to think about how that, and then in verse or in chapter 27, the next chapter, why we can have these societies as we see here, is that we have this communion to Christ by the Spirit. And so um, we've seen this, um, we kind of see this unity. And a lot of people, especially kind of in the older tradition, when you think about it, always kind of mention that I think uh, Jonathan Edwards has a whole treatise on this, that the Holy Spirit is the love of the Trinity that binds everything together. Mm. It binds the Trinity together in communion and then in turn binds us to the Trinity, that we may have a communion that is not like the communion that the Jews had in the Old Covenant. It's different. They had the spirit. It dwelt mainly in the tabernacle, though you see others that are gifted with the spirit. But it is not until the New Testament that all who believe are given the spirit as a deposit, as an inheritance when they believe, when they repent and believe the gospel. And so we see the spirit again, mostly in kind of creation and salvation and how it it how god has ordained for us to um, be saved yeah and then kind of sorry
0: no I, I was just agreeing with you um but also like i'm having some technical difficulties for those watching it's not opening for me i don't know maybe i i have a lot of screens open right now maybe that's slowing it down but um in the very first uh paragraph of chapter 27 it speaks of what you're talking on just for those that are watching and it's not pulling up. It says all saints that are united to Jesus Christ. And I'm reading from the old one. Cause I had to pull it out because like I said, it's not, it's not opening up. Um, as now it's a service unavailable, but, uh, it says, uh, United to Jesus Christ, their head by his spirit and faith, although they are not made thereby by one person with him, have fellowship in his graces. Let me see if I can refresh this.
1: So, um, um, kind of chapter 29 to kind of quickly the Holy Spirit's only mentioned and that we are baptized in the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. This is obviously comes from Matthew chapter 28. And that we see that when we are baptized, we make this confession that we believe in the Trinity. And then kind of the final reference of the, Holy spirit in the confession is chapter 31. And I find this one interesting and in how they mentioned it. It's paragraph three. Um, in chapter 31, and it talks about the resurrection. And let me pull my copy up here. All right.
0: Well, I've got it here in the like my little booklet, but this is the old English uh understanding. It says the bodies of the unjust shall by the power of the, of Christ be raised to dishonor, the bodies of the just by his spirit unto honor and be made com- uh comfortable uh to his own glorious body. Let's see if I can pull it up yeah. there now. So we see here and uh, a
1: and, uh, interesting that um you have a resurrection of both the God, the ungodly and the godly. Mm-hmm. And we see that the ungodly are raised by the power of Christ. So Christ can raise them up. And, but the confession makes a point to say that the bodies of those who have faith are raised by the spirit. Again, this brings about kind of that final aspect of salvation and glorification that the spirit um preserving us to the end and being able to to see kind of just the spirit's overwork the, the spirit's work in it. And I think that's like when we think about the confession, when we think about how the spirit is used, you have an Acts five, the spirit being equated to God and kind of this judgment within the church. But when we think about the spirit, when we think about Romans eight or Ephesians one and, or thinking about scriptures, the, the fact that the scriptures breathe out by God, this kind of, kind of spirit or breath idea um, coming out, that the spirit works in certain ways in our lives. And the 1689, while doesn't have a chapter that outlines all of this for us, in one sense, it would have been repetitive. It already kind of repeats throughout to remind Mm -hmm. us of these things. But to have an entire chapter dedicated would be essentially taking all of these things and putting it in one way and yet would still have to be spilled out in the other ways. It's actually kind of a wise things in the use of kind of paper and what they're saying. The, mm-hmm. the drafters of the confession wanted something that is brief and succinct and having its own chapter would not would make it where it's not as succinct as it can be and it makes it a little bit longer. And I think and that's that's helpful to think about it cuz when I when I think about the BFM and read it there isn't a lot about the holy spirit after article 2. Mm. That doesn't kind of dive in and think about these things in that way. And I think and that's important. We need dedicated chapters to help us to systematize the spirit and to have these understandings. But a confession is while it's a systematic theology in one sense, a very dense, very succinct. Um, there's a point in which there is more doctrine to be had than just what the table of contents is. And that is when we, that's how we started the show. That's BB Warfield's kind of pushback to Charles Briggs mm-hmm. is This is not just something to be read and just not and cost off. There are deep theological riches when one studies the text of the confession with its scriptural evidence and to think through all of these things. And I think that more than – as I thought about this, I thought this was going to be – we'll just go boom, boom, boom when I'm doing my study. But as I thought about it, as I read some um, blog posts about it from Broken Wharf, and they kind of talk about this, the more I realized there is something here that I think we miss if we do not take the time to study how the confession talks about the spirit and in some way helps us to think of, to come to the Bible with that same understanding that the There is no single treatise of it. We have to kind of piece these things together. Um, I mean, just recently I was teaching my kids about this. Like the Bible gives us puzzle pieces of who God is, Mm -hmm. the nature of God and his works. And we have to do the hard work to piece those together to get the full view of who God is. And the confession makes us do it when we consider the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. It it just, as I'm listening to you there, Mike, and, and we're working through this, looking at the Holy spirit as laid out in the confession. Um, again, it makes me want to go back, especially like to on the church. When you talk about, there's so much in there on, about the spirit, just to go back and see what we said about it. Because again, we went line Mm -hmm. by line, but again, until you brought it up, it was just kind of, it's there. You're not, seeking to miss the spirit, but you're not thinking on it that way. And yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious to go back, uh, to the series and listen to some of those, those chapters and see, you know, what we actually did say or what was said, uh, on that. Um, and how maybe we could have went deeper. I, I don't know. Cause I don't remember the series has been done now it's for been a while. Years, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but just thinking through those things, um, yeah, and and that's that's the the wonderful thing about the Word of God and these confessions that we do hold to. We hold to the 1689 here at G220, um, and as you mentioned, the Baptist Faith and Message. It's we we've done a show on that as well. There is much in it that we can uh, agree upon, and there is much that's stated mm-hmm. there, but it's not as um, in depth as the 1689 confession or as the Westminster confession. And I think when you talk about laying out 32 chapters and then going through those chapters and finding, and as you mentioned, um, really only nine or about nine of these chapters don't explicitly mention the spirit, you know, do the math, right? That's what 20, yeah. that's 21, 22, uh, um, yeah, 23, 23, uh, chapters, of the scripture that the spirit is referenced and the fact that we can't understand scripture apart from the spirit, you know, the spirit is what is, is teaching us and leading us into all truth. And so just to really think through those things, I, I hope that this uh, as it was for me, brother, as you're, you're, you're talking about this and brought up this subject, something to really consider as we're reading through the scripture as we're reading through Mm -hmm. the confession and to help understand what it is we believe systematically. Um, But to not overlook those, those, those areas. Yeah. And I think,
1: I think it's easy for us in the reform tradition um, to overlook the spirit. I think some of it is a, a pushing away because of the abuses of the charismatic right. movement. And this is not a diamond, all charismatics. You know, right, I realize right. like Wayne Grudem is not the same as, um, you know, uh, the Cal, the church in California, Hillsong. Yeah, Bethel, Bethel, Bethel yeah. you know, like there's, or I hop in Kansas city. Like there's, there's that aspect, the health and wealth um tends to be in that movement too. Um but I think ours in a like Christ focus, gospel focused idea. I mean that that's the truth of the reformation, it's justification by faith, solus Christus, sola fide. You know, and and thinking through that, oftentimes we can lose that we are trinitarian Mm -hmm. We give like a a lip service Mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit. And so hopefully part of this is to renew this understanding that the Holy Spirit is God as the um, Nicene Creed together with the father and the son is worshiped and glorified.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like we are to to worship All of God, all three beings, they're all worthy of worship. And the confession using the kind of the Bible as its guide directs us to that and then sees directs us on how we can worship the spirit and how he works in our lives and to give glory to God as triune as we look on the promises set with the redemption of Christ and that being applied to our lives and kind of an active obedience. No, I mean, Ephesians, we work out our salvation knowing that it's God who works through us, but Paul then mentions it's how and that's the spirit. The spirit is doing that work on us and to neglect that aspect, the forgotten Trinity that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's what's, um, James White you know wrote to try to bring that focus brings us back to we serve a triune god who deserves worship and continually works miracles of salvation to this day
0: yeah as you was mentioning that i looked at my bookshelf over here that people can't see and i have my books organized by certain sections and it starts with the doctrines of doctrine of god as the first First uh, um, section, and then I have the Holy Spirit, and then I have a shelf that's all books written about the person and work of Christ, right? And I'm I'm looking, and I'm like, man, I only have looks like five books up there on the Holy Spirit. Now, mm-hmm. some of the, the the doctrine of God is going to cover the Trinity and whatnot, yeah, in those books. But I have a larger section of when it's dealing with God as a whole, but mm-hmm. books on the Spirit. I don't have as many up there.
1: Yeah. Just something I, can, I was
0: thinking about when, when you're, you're mentioning that yeah. and how neglected at times that can be.
1: Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, I'm thinking you bring that up. I have three books that I could explicitly I could tell you right now. I think I might have one back here by Graham Cole. um on the Holy spirit. I've Sinclair Ferguson's the Holy spirit and his um, contours of theology series. And then, um, Basil's on the Holy Spirit. Outside of that, all my other books are, you know, Trinitarian in thought, like mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And again, I think that's just part of it is what the spirit does as it promotes Christ in our hearts. Like it shifts our attention, not to him, but to the one who saves us, um, who, who died on the cross. so I think, you know, there is that aspect of it. But knowing that doesn't mean we don't try to understand who the spirit is
0: mm-hmm.
1: because when we sin, we grieve the spirit. It right. is part of who we are as Christians with the spirit dwelling in us, given us the assurance of our salvation. The spirit does so much for us that if we try not to study because of the abuses of the charismatic movement, we lose a deep appreciation of our total the total aspect of our salvation,
0: yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned, the charismatic movement, being in the thrift stores that I go to when I look at books, there's a lot of books on the Holy Spirit, but they're usually by people who do um, exploit these abuses or they they promote these abuses. And they're not books that we would recommend picking up because it's not mm-hmm. accurately portraying um the God, the Spirit, God the Spirit accurately as the Bible has uh presented who he is to us And so yeah I hope this uh, has been an, uh, a challenging um, um, uh, encouraging uh show for you here tonight on G220 radio uh to really think through these things. Mike go ahead uh final thoughts final words to close us out. Yeah I just think
1: yeah, kind of what I said the confession helps us in our understanding of scripture not only in accurately giving to us what we believe the scripture says in a systematic way but teaching us on how to read better and to be able to catch everything for a deeper fuller
0: understanding of our faith and who our god is ultimately Amen. That's been G220 Radio for tonight. Tune in next week. We will be back. God bless.